We're back with another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We're super excited because we get to talk about our film, Deadlines. We took our nice little sabbatical to get everything ready for our film. And man, oh man, our red carpet event went over so well that we want to show the world what we have the offer. So Deadlines will be available on Amazon Prime as soon as possible. We are going through the review process right now for that, and uh, we just can't wait for everybody to see it. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, uh, the response at the red carpet was fantastic. Uh, everybody enjoyed the film. Uh, it was started a great conversation in the Q&A afterwards, which is what the point of the film is, to start a conversation. So I think uh, when people do get to see it on Amazon, it's going to start a conversation. So uh, we can't wait to that to happen. And it's just, it's so exciting. And the red carpet was just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, everything we could have hoped for for the premiere. And we cannot wait, like you said, for everybody else to see it worldwide. And uh, we're going to be putting it in film festivals. And, and, and just we're super pumped for the world to finally see what we're all about and what we are as filmmakers. So, uh, yeah, can't wait, man. Super freaking exciting. One of the best nights of my life. Oh, to be for sure. With you. It was for such sure. an amazing experience. But we're super happy to be back to the podcast. There's yes. a lot going down in the industry. And we're going to talk about that right now. What's up, guys? We are here. We are getting crazy on episode 192 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. You know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Boy, oh boy, there's a lot happening like we teased a little bit earlier. Man, oh man, there's a lot of cancellations happening at Warner Brothers Discovery slash CW um, that we're very curious about. We teased that a little bit on our social media platforms the other day, so... I'm, I'm excited to dive deep into that one because yeah. a lot of a lot of different structuring happening everywhere basically in Hollywood. Uh yeah, and uh not all good news for comic book fans. There was some really good news, but then there's like you said there's some bad news for comic book fans too. Of course, all of that news coming out of CinemaCon this week, you know, the big that's the big annual show for exhibitors, aka movie theaters, to be able to see what's coming, where, you know, how it's all going to go down, a lot of premieres, a lot of trailers, all kinds of good stuff. We've got it all for you. Do not worry. That's right. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear we got shirts we got hats we have film merchandise for our film deadlines be sure to check that out i just got my handy dandy shirt this past week and man oh man i am loving it great quality fast shipping oh man we have anything and everything for everybody and that's what it's all about man that's what it's all about but we're getting started with the juggernaut disney man oh man there's a lot of interesting stuff happening over there and (laughs) man uh, let's just get into it disney the walt disney company is parting ways with golf morel he is the uh head of its corporate affairs or at least was after a series of public uh, relations debacles, as I'm sure a lot of you have seen, and we have been tweeting about it. And in, an, in an email to the staff, Morell wrote, after three months in this new role, it has become clear to him that the number of reasons that it's just not a good fit for him or the company. Bullshit. Uh, his role will be split in half between Christina uh, Schock. Uh, she will lead the Walt Disney Company's uh, communications efforts, serving as executive vice president of global serving as executive vice president of global communications and will report to 
directly to Chappic. Uh, Shock joined Disney back in April and was previously Deputy of Communications Director for the one and only Hillary Clinton in 2016 uh, presidential campaign. And Hiroko Grutes, uh, who serves as Disney's general counsel, will take over Morel's uh, government relations and global public policy purview. Uh, he joined the company uh, back in February and previously served as head of global affairs and chief legal officer for uh, Spotify. Now, Morel, being ousted after less than four months on the job, uh, concedes with a bruising period in which Disney CEO Bob Chappick has faulted for his stumbling response of Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. We've talked a lot about that one on the podcast. And the ongoing controversy has led to questions about Chappick's leadership, which we've been questioning every single week, um, and growing sense that the company is needed to shake things up in a different way to prove himself to everybody else that he is his own individual leader. And it hasn't necessarily been going over very well. Yeah, this is, I'm going to call it just exactly what this is. This is a bullshit move. This is Chappick throwing Morell under the bus and taking the blame for for the fiasco that is his problem with uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida and his non-response to the don't say gay bill. Um, this is not leadership. You don't throw somebody under the bus less than, come on. And and that was a prepared statement that he was probably forced to make saying it's not a good fit. This man was the spokesperson for the Pentagon under the Obama administration. Yeah. Are you trying to tell me he couldn't handle the pressure of this? Give me a fucking break. This is, this is Chappick throwing him under the bus to try to clear things up. You are responsible. Responsible, Bob Chappick, not Morel, and and this is a bad move. I think it's going to backfire. You're just going to get more shit dumped on you. Get your shit together, man. You are fucking the mouse house up, and I am not happy about it. I'm just saying. As you can tell. As you can tell. <laughs> as That's a shareholder, not... <laughs> not as you can tell. That's not the only controversy, though, happening. This one kind of took everybody by surprise, including myself, and it's not good news for comic book fans. Director John Watts has left Marvel Studios' reboot of Fantastic Four. Uh-oh. Watts directed all three of Marvel Studios' Spider-Man movies, obviously, with Tom Holland and Zendaya, including the biggie, the $1.9 billion grossing Spider-Man No Way Home. He said in a statement that he wanted to simply step away from superhero films. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I mean, he's been doing it for like seven years now, so I mean, that's that's a long time. Um, Feige said in a statement, quote, collaborating with Watts on the Spider-Man movies has been a true pleasure, and while we were looking forward to continuing our work with him to bring Fantastic Four into the MCU, we understand and are supportive of his reasons for stepping away. We are optimistic that we will have the opportunity to work together again at some point down the road. Now, if you guys remember, it was first announced that Watts is going to direct the Fantastic Four reboot uh, back in December of 2020 uh, during Disney's Investor Day. So, um... This is this is a big loss. I mean, because I think the thing that John Watts is so great at was the action and, and you know, the superhero aspect of the films, but then also the comedy, which yeah. is hugely important because that's what the Fantastic Four is all about. It's a comedic action-adventure superhero first family film. And thus far, nobody has gotten that right, and I feel like John would have nailed it. Um I don't know. I have a theory on this, though. Yeah, we both have theories, and they're differing, so you can go with yours first. I think, I think, we now we've seen in the latest spots of the Doctor Strange movie 
that it is confirmed the Illuminati will make its presence. We all know who a member of the Illuminati is if they do this right and they don't vary away from the comic books, and that is himself, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. So he will be making his debut into the MCU, which means it is the best kept secret in Hollywood as to who was cast as Mr. Richards. But I have a feeling it's Krasinski. I have a feeling that Watts wanted a little bit more money to come back to do Fantastic Four after the wildly successful run of the Spider-Man movies. Marvel was not willing to pay it. And Krasinski will be announced as the director of the Fantastic Four, which in my opinion would be fucking epic. I think he would just cream it. I think it would be amazing. Um, and I think it would be the smart move to do. Yeah, I mean, I personally think it's because of Disney and because of all the Bob Chappick stuff. I think, you know, creatives and filmmakers are going to want to separate themselves from this type of institution that is being run so poorly. So that is my opinion. I mean, we've been kind of theorizing that since the whole don't say gay bill kind of unfolded. And so... Like I said, with him being such a supportive leader throughout the MCU and with the Spider-Man films, I feel like, you know, right after this happens, he's just like, okay, for my career and for my sake, I'm just going to step away and step back a little bit. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds and develops, but it would be an amazing choice if Krasinski comes and directs the Fantastic Four. I think there's only really two other choices you can go with, and that would be either Edgar Wright, who, like— wanted desperately to do you know direct a marvel film you guys know he wrote the ant-man films but he was set to direct and then because of scheduling conflicts had to pull out and peyton reed took over and peyton reed is fantastic he has also nailed that action adventure superhero with the comedy in the ant-man movies and it's been stellar i think either you bring edgar Wright in to give him his wish of directing a marvel film or let peyton reed do it if it's not going to be krasinski because you need somebody that has proven they can do the comedy aspect of the superhero film films and he has done that and i think those are your own krasinski edgar wright or peyton reed that's the only choices you have to direct this movie yeah and have it be successful and we all know everybody is banking on this fantastic four to be successful so i don't know that's my thought on it yeah for sure and i mean speaking of ant-man the latest adaptation the ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and the marvels are swapping release dates yeah. uh the sequel to the Marvels of nineteen or 2019's Captain Marvel was originally due to uh, open in theaters February 17th of 2023, and Quantum Mania, the third movie in the Ant-Man series, was set to open July 28th of 2023. Instead, Quantum Mania will uh, now bow its uh, the first in February, and the Marvels will debut in July. Uh, insiders say this was a matter of Quantum Media simply being further along in the creative process than the Marvels, as a former, uh, as the former has wrapped principal photography, while the Marvels has still a little bit more to go, which kind of makes sense in my mm -hmm. opinion. Uh, at Marvel Studios, other big theatrical releases in 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy three is set to debut May 5th of 2023. So that's all very exciting. It all makes sense, and especially with, I feel like, a whole bunch of probably CGI and special effects going into the Marvels. And, I mean, there's a lot of that in Ant-Man, too. But, I mean, if you're going completely cosmic and all of her, like, epic powers, I feel like, you know, it is what it is. It is, and I think that this is a nice way to cover up, too, if there is another 
explanation and that's the delays have shifted remember they had to rewrite spider-man they had to rewrite doctor strange because of the delays and they were supposed to be flip-flops so there's obviously some story elements that might not work if they came out in the wrong order now so they have to switch them up i I don't know which they're doing brilliantly brilliantly i must say at doing that with covid and all the delays and everything like that they're doing an amazing job at switching out some writing aspects and switching out like different release dates yeah i agreed Uh, i mean it's marvel yeah yeah, come on, they have Feige a Feige has got that shit down, no matter what is going on. He just For recently sure. admitted at CinemaCon, too, that they go on these, like, um, uh, retreats. That, like, the entire Marvel Studios staff, and I guess some creatives, they all go on this retreat, like, in this cabin or whatever, and they plan out. That's how they do this thing. So now they have the MCU planned out through 2032 for the next wow. 10 years. They've got it planned out. They know what they're... That's insane to me. That is insane. But it's awesome. Right. Uh, This one, it's kind of exciting news for, I guess, some people, but I'm just not a fan. But okay, I'm going to say it anyway. After at least seven delays in the last eight years, apparently James Cameron is finally ready to debut the sequel to Avatar. The film was originally supposed to open in 2014. Now, Cameron announced the official title, Avatar, The Way of the Water, and unveiled new footage of the highly anticipated film at CinemaCon. The audience members were immersed into different regions across the dazzling world of Pandora through sweeping visuals of the planet's crystal blue oceans and lakes. The footage also shows the local tribe of Navi interacting with various species resembling whales and pelicans, some of which flew through the screen and into the audience members' faces thanks to three-dimensional technology. Now, the trailer is set to debut exclusively this week in theaters ahead of Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which of course opens on Friday, May 6th. So there you go. Um, I know a lot of people are super excited about this, and apparently after this one, there's like 18 fucking more of them. Kidding, there's like four more after this one, but um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just really hope that the story is better than the first one. I mean, of course, the first one was such an amazing like visual experience, yeah. but the story was a little lacking in my opinion. So hopefully the story is a little bit better, and maybe the technology, well, I know the technology has improved. Like, what, it's been like 10 years since the first one or something stupid like that? Oh, I mean, even longer than that, almost 20. Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, you know, the progression is going to be very interesting, and... Uh, it'll be interesting to see either same day release. Cameron won't let that same day release, probably not. Nah, he doesn't like that shit. So yeah, I don't so know. it'll be interesting. I mean, it was groundbreaking technology. Yeah. I think that's why it did as huge as it did because nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Yeah, but that's not the case anymore, Cameron. So exactly. the story better be solid, otherwise people are gonna be like, "Yeah, I've seen that." Just you know, saying, just saying. <laughs> this next one is very exciting because she's an amazing creative, and I'm excited to see her. Take that step behind the camera. And I'm talking about Blake Lively. She's going to make her feature film directorial debut in the upcoming film adaptation of the graphic novel, uh, Seconds for Searchlight Pictures. Ooh. The script is penned by Edgar hey, Wright. Hey, that guy. Uh, that guy <laughs> uh, who is set to produce the film as well. Uh, Seconds follows the story of Katie Clay, the owner and head chief of a title restaurant. Uh, one night, a mysterious spirit provides Ooh. Katie with the ability to to alter reality by writing something she wants to change in a notebook. Hmm. Now, eating a mushroom and falling asleep, there's where it comes from, uh, mushrooms. Uh, As Katie begins abusing the power to alter her past mistakes, her actions slowly cause the fabric of time and space to unravel. So, like, kind of a 
universe of madness a little bit uh, yeah <laughs> just a yeah. tiny bit but... uh this sounds like an aaron sorkin thing right, right? like no <laughs> i mean i don't know but uh yeah it, it just it, is blake lively gonna star says she's gonna direct i mean that sounds like a perfect vehicle for her to star in also if she wants to take on that dual responsibility that'd be fantastic yeah that'd be a lot for the first time though i mean bradley cooper did very well but we've seen a lot of people who step behind the camera and try to direct themselves at the same time and it's just not the best thing but she's got a little bit of experience remember she has directed before she did um taylor swift's video that was her actual directorial debut was taylor swift's video and it was really good so i don't know uh let's see we'll find out yeah right um this one I'm happy to say Disney well done because there was a lot of controversy about this whether it would or would not show up on Disney Plus well the answer is yes Love Victor is headed to Disney Plus after all the coming of age series based on the queer teen romantic drama Love Simon was originally developed for the streamer but was pushed to Hulu after executives worried that certain issues on the show including teen sexuality and alcohol use weren't exactly a right fit for Disney Plus now the third and final season as well as seasons one and two will be available on Disney Plus, as well as on Hulu, beginning on June 15th. Um, that is one thing I will say that Chappic has done. He has made a, a clear and bold move to say, we are willing to put this type product under the mouse ears, um, which none of the prior CEOs were willing to do. Um, and we'll see if it pays off or not. But I... I, I commend them for trying to do it and put it in front of a broader audience. So. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, with people coming to grips with their reality at a much younger age now, I feel like, especially if it's not like crazy, overly sexual, which Love, Victor is not at all. It's just coming of age story of who this person is. So, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's good for younger people to see that so they could possibly help themselves come to grips with who they are. So yeah. I just think it's a good thing. Me too. And I mean, anybody who saw the original movie, I mean, come on now. It, it, it was family friendly from the get go. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. I think this is a great move. Yeah, agreed. And I'm surprised by this one because, you know, with the password altered Disney Plus now. So get this, guys. Emmy winning comedy series, Shit's Creek. It was huge. Everybody loved it. Fucking crazy at the Emmys. Won a whole <laughs> bunch of awards. Will cycle off of Netflix in the U.S. later this year mm. to become available on Disney's Hulu. Uh, the streamer announced that it will be de- a to, will be the dedicated subscription video on-demand home for the U.S. Uh, beginning of October 3rd of 2022. Now, I'm surprised by that because they put the violent fucking Punisher, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fish, all that on there under the locked screen, mm-hmm. which I mean completely understand, but I mean... If they're doing that with that, why wouldn't they do it with this? I'm confused by that. I guess they just wanted to try it out with the Marvel stuff. But uh, yeah, at the know. same time, like you're committed to it as of right now. So why not put more stuff like that underneath it? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. But I'm, I, one thing's for certain, though. It's yet another loss for Netflix. Yeah, exactly. By it going to Hulu, Netflix is losing all of its branded content, and they better get kicking with some original shit or they're going to be in big trouble. Agreed. All right, jumping over to Warner Brothers Discovery. Hey, let's just call it Warner Brothers. I'm going to keep saying it until you fucking do. Yeah. Uh, some really big stuff coming out of CinemaCon for uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, and it's pretty much all exciting news. So first and foremost, the Batman is, that's right, 
is getting a sequel with Robert Pattinson set to return as Gotham's fiercest defender. Uh, Warner Brothers revealed its plans for another Caped Crusader story during its presentation at CinemaCon. The Batman director, Matt Reeves, was on hand to announce the news that he will write and direct the follow-up, but he did not provide any details about what the movie will entail. Well, of course not. It's too early to do that. Oh, my goodness. It's so freaking crazy, though. I'm so pumped about it, but I'm just saying, I want Mr. Freeze. We had an awful adaptation (laughs) of that with nippled batman but i want a good adaptation of that a real real life grounded fucking oh it would just be amazing let's not go back to the joker please let's not i'm just saying but speaking of the batman in a brief trailer for the flash a familiar scene of ezra miller's scarlet speedster asking michael keaton's batman if he is going to join them and play how that plays out however unlike the dc fandom preview back in 2021 CinemaCon's new trailer shows the gray-haired Bruce Wayne wearing his bat suit without his mask saying, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I am so... I can't wait to see that because obviously they haven't released that publicly yet, but... Because all we ever saw was the back of him, yep. right? But anybody, 89 Batman fan, any Keaton Batman fan knows that is a direct pull from the 89 Batman yep. where he's as Bruce Wayne, where, where Joker's about to shoot him and he's, and he's trying to protect Val and he grabs the little tin thing and he's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I mean, that's a direct, uh, I, I am so fucking pumped that he re-delivers that line and he and gray hair. Oh my, I'm so fucking pumped for, I, I don't, I'm not pumped for the flash movie but yeah. i am so fucking pumped to see keaton back as batman and i can't wait honestly for the batgirl movie <laughs> i'm just gonna be so fucking pumped um this one's interesting they released a whole bunch of pictures and we were right we talked about what the premise could possibly be it appears that what we were talking about on our last show a while back will be the premise warner brothers announced that the release date for the much anticipated live action Barbie film starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling will uh, debut July 21st, 2023. Then they release a nice picture of her in the pink convertible and everything. And I guess what it is is that she's unhappy with the way things are going down in uh, her Barbie world. And so she breaks out and ventures into the real world to get some real world experience so it is going to kind of take on like that mannequin vibe from way back in the day where it's kind of like a doll that breaks into the real world and yeah i mean i gotta say i am very surprised by the amount of interest this project has i heard about this thing on the radio of course we reported on it but like two three months ago yeah but like people are talking about it in mass audiences so I'm expecting a pretty decent weekend, box office weekend for this thing. I, Warner Brothers is is banking on it too, but you know what I just found out it's opening against? Same weekend, Oppenheimer. Ooh. Which, Ooh. I mean, no, and that's got like every other star in Hollywood yeah. except for Margot Mar- Mar- Robbie and Ryan yeah. Gosling. So the Warner Brothers must feel pretty confident if it's willing to open it against Oppenheimer. So yep. we'll see. Yeah. And do you think that's a direct slap at Nolan? For sure. I think that's a like, for okay, sure. we're going to open our biggie against you, you yeah. asshole, for leaving us. I think that's what that is. So Goodness gracious. I think it's going to backfire for Warner Brothers. I think so, too. I think Oppenheimer's going to – I love Margot Robbie, but I think Oppenheimer's going to kick its ass. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, the Dune prequel series at HBO Max has brought Jonah Rednick aboard to direct the first two episodes, and Jonah will serve as an executive producer on the show, currently titled Dune, The Sisterhood. Mm. Uh, it is ordered straight to series at HBO Max. Uh, it happened back in June 2019. Previously, Dune uh, director and co-writer Denis uh, Villeneuve uh, was attached to direct the pilot for Dune, The Sisterhood. But his work on Dune sequel film will prevent him from mm. doing so, which makes sense. The show is set 10,000 years prior to the events of Dune, and it there follows the Har- Harkonnen uh, sisters as they combat uh, combat forces and threaten the future of humankind and establish a fabled sect known as the Benin Gezerik. Mm. Uh, so very interesting. This whole franchise is honestly very interesting because... I don't know. I just, I didn't see, I haven't seen the first one or the original yet. And I mean, was this also a cult classic when it came out? The original was. Yeah. Yeah, It was massively successful. And and that's why I was shocked when they decided to reboot it and and do it again. But um, yeah, I'm not sure it warrants a spinoff series, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I didn't think that the the new film went over very well. I, I, I don't know. Uh, this is just my opinion. Uh, this one seems very weird to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Harley Quinn, the the animated series. I think it's epic. I think it's fantastic. I think Kaylee Cuoco is brilliant. I love the Poison Ivy Harley Quinn thing and everything. But this one's a little like, what? A Harley Quinn spinoff series titled Noonins has officially been ordered at HBO Max. Now, the series will focus on lovable loser Kite Man and his new squeeze, the Golden Glider, as they moonlight as criminals to support their foolish purchase of Noonins. Now, Gotham's seediest dive bar, Matt Oberg, will reprise the role of Kite Man, whom he voiced, of course, on Harley Quinn. HBO Max has given this show a 10 episode order. Kite Man? Okay. We're going to go with Kite Man? Yeah. Really? That's the that's the bad guy you want to spin off into his own series? While he's very humorous in Harley Quinn. His own show? Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm. DC has made some interesting uh, I don't, choices, I guess you could say. Like, well, with like what James Gunn did pretty well with Polka Dot Man or whatever the fuck his name is and uh, the Suicide Squad reboot, I guess. But I don't know. They have some very interesting villains and characters in general. So with going with this decision, it's, yeah. yeah I like we'll Golden see. Glider. They, she, I thought they did a really good rendition of her on uh, Flash. She yeah. used Flash, but... Uh, meh, meh. Meh. All right, guys. Here is what we've been teasing. And it's very interesting because I feel like these shows had a massive following. But obviously, DC and Warner Brothers Discovery is going in a different direction, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do so. Batwoman has been canceled Mm. at the CW after three seasons. Now, you guys know Batwoman began airing on the CW back in 2019 with uh, the different lead actress, Ruby Rose, that originally starred in the series, but exited after the first season. She later claimed that the unsafe working conditions led to her exit, as well as other issues with Duggery Scott. Now, Javicia Leslie uh, then came in and brought the character a whole new light. Um, and took over the mantle as Batwoman and did a, did a phenomenal job, yeah. I must say. Yeah. Like, I very much enjoyed her portraying her character. So I am very disappointed in this decision because she deserved more seasons. She was absolutely killing it with, you know, bringing the character to life and 
the black representation in this title role. So I'm just saying I'm very disappointed. I am too. And I, I was really enjoying the the development of all the supporting characters, you know, uh, and, and where uh, Fox was going and where the their interpretation of the Joker was coming from and, yeah. and like all these different things that they were setting up. And I thought it was going to be really, really good. Um, I think this is a bad move and I, I, they've already, apparently there are already petitions online to save that show and another show. DC's Legends of Tomorrow has also been canceled at the CW after seven seasons. The series was set, as you guys know, in the Arrowverse and featured characters from Arrow and The Flash. I can't believe that it was this long ago. It first premiered in January of 2016. Mm. Now, the season season 7 finale, which now marks the end of the series, aired on March 2nd. Now, with these cancellations of those two shows, the only remaining DC shows on the CW are The Flash, Superman and Lois, and Stargirl. The Flash was renewed, of course, obviously, as we told you, for a ninth season back in March while Stargirl is waiting to debut its third season later this year. Um, I think these shows could be in trouble too, and I I hope not. I hope that they find a home maybe on HBO Max. Um, But, you know, the CW has long been rumored and is still apparently on the chopping block and might go up for sale, and what that means for these shows, I don't know. But if you don't bring Batwoman... And Superman and Lois and, and Stargirl to HBO. I don't know about Legends. It had a good run, seven seasons. I feel like, you know, I know the fans love it, but I, I just don't know. But Superman and Lois and Stargirl, if you don't bring those over to HBO Max after you've greenlit fucking Kite Man, huge fucking mistake, okay? Somebody, somebody infinitely better. Superman and Lois and... and uh, Please bring them the fucking age. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Kite Man? You're proud to announce Kite Man, but you're not sure about these? Come on now. I know. And I feel like, you know, The Flash is near the end of its run. Yeah, so, I think I season mean, nine will be it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the other two or three shows, like, it definitely needs to come to HBO Max. Have it under one roof and just, yeah. Because, I mean, they were already going to HBO Max anyway, so why it would just make sense. I think know? you could totally incorporate Batwoman into Titans. For sure. I mean, have that be a little crossover That'd type thing. I mean, that would be fucking epic. Exactly. I mean, but I'll have I'll let you have this one because I know you're super excited about it. <laughs> okay, jumping to Paramount. Uh, Paramount Pictures held Top Gun Maverick's first public screening at CinemaCon this week and generated apparently rave first reactions. Now, members of the audience and journalists in attendance are actually hailing the long-awaited Top Gun sequel as the perfect blockbuster and terrific in every conceivable way. The film is going to screen at Cannes Film Festival in May before Paramount releases it in theaters over the Memorial Day weekend. But yeah, I'm hearing that even the hardest core critics and those who are not fans of fucking Tom Cruise loved the fucking film. They said it is the epitome of a blockbuster film. It has everything that you need to have a smashing success and they think it can do huge Marvel type numbers at the box office and that would be amazing because well in my opinion when you think of blockbuster movie two films come to mind and that is jaws 
and Top Gun. I mean, to be honest, so I mean, they're the definition of that genre of movie, I guess you could say. So I mean, yeah, what I'm, Top Gun did in '86 was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like I, I just, I mean, and every re-release has done really well. Yeah. Like when it's re-released, and you have to see this one in theaters for guys. sure. And if you can, in a fucking IMAX theater, because the dog fights in the air and the flying and all that, that you cannot watch that anywhere but an IMAX fucking. So you feel like you're in the fucking cockpit. It's so fucking awesome. I can't wait for this film. I'm I know. just like, I'm pumped about it too. I'm gonna rewatch the first one like the week of yeah. before watching it because just to get ready for it, I feel like it's gonna be really good. Oh, and we have we have Goose's son's call name now. Mm. Rooster. Rooster. Makes sense. Yeah, Makes I mean, sense. you know, he's keeping it in the bird family. Yeah, right, <laughs> keeping it there. Uh, speaking of Tom Cruise, everybody knows he's also got another huge franchise that everybody loves, basically, and that is Mission Impossible. And they finally came out with a title for the next film, and that is Reckoning Part 1. Yes. So, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, but it wasn't all about Tom Cruise, though. Director Damien Chazelle's Babylon, a star-stubbed homage to Hollywood's Golden Age era, yes. brought the old razzle-dazzle to the CinemaCon. Attendees were treated to never-before-seen footage of Babylon, which puts the spotlight on the one and only the man, the myth, the legend, Brad Pitt, uh, <laughs> as the silent film star and margot robbie as the roaring 20s icon mm. which they both perfect for that role oh yeah well, come on now based on the first look footage of the glamorous parties against the backdrop of the entertainment business in flux babylon looks like a mix between baz lerman's the great gatsby and quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood great combination oh yeah i must say uh prior to paramount's presentation at CinemaCon, little had been revealed about babylon uh, period piece set in the late 20s during the movie industry's transition from silent films to the talkies. I'm super excited about this thing. It's got an amazing cast. Everybody knows Brad Pitt's one of my homeboys, so... (laughs) <laughs> gotta gotta love it. I'm gonna call him up and say congratulations. Yeah, and it looks like Margot Robbie's gonna have a huge summer, dude. So seriously, a, I mean, she deserves it though. She's an amazing person. She really is, and an amazing talent. Yeah. She, I mean, she's a phenomenal actress, and so I, I, you know, I hope that people like start recognizing her beyond her beautifulness. Like, just recognize the talent that this woman has and why she keeps landing in these amazing roles. Exactly. Uh, Mom will be happy about this one. Blue Bloods has been renewed for season 13 at CBS. Blue Bloods is the latest scripted renewal that CBS has announced of late. Others, of, of course, include comedies Ghosts, Bob Hart's Abishola, and The Neighborhood. Young Sheldon, as we told you, was previously renewed through the 2023-2024 season. Now, on the drama side, the network has also renewed CSI Vegas, NCIS, NCIS Hawaii, NCIS Los Angeles, and SWAT. Word is still pending for shows such as Be Positive and the three FBI dramas and The Equalizer. Mm. Um... The Equalizer just lost its showrunners, too, so it might be in trouble. Mm. I can't imagine that they're going to dump the FBI shows, though. Yeah, I, I think to be honest, I feel like all of those shows are their bread and butter. I mean, yeah. come on now. They've been on for at least a decade, every single one of them. So it only makes sense. And do you want to piss off Dick Wolf? 
Yeah, I that's don't think you thing. You don't you want really to cancel don't. his shows. No. Look what happened at NBC. Yeah. yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Now, this next one's kind of sad, but it also makes sense because we want this man to be happy. He's like one of the <laughs> happiest men in Hollywood. And that is the one and only James Corden, who has been the helm of the CBS Late Late Show since uh, the mid-2015 season. He's uh, as extended his contract with CBS until the spring of 2023, but after which he will depart mm. CBS Said that they said that it have offered to host a three-year renewal, but Corden managed to negotiate the network uh, to down to just one. He, I think he's trying to go back. I think he's trying to go back to the motherland. Um, he just misses being around, you know, his family and friends and everybody out there. But he's definitely going to stay in the entertainment industry. I feel. Oh like. yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, part of his statement was that he wanted to try new things. I yeah. mean, he's still a young guy and he's yeah. been doing this for a long time. And he's know? a great actor. Yeah, and I don't think it was ever his intention to be a talk show host. Yeah. I, mean, I just don't think that was the gig. Yeah. He, he took advantage of it and, and rightly so. But um, you know, he's not a Leno or a Letterman or um, that's not his gig. Yeah. Um, so him good and, for him for him knowing that. Graham Norton would be hilarious together doing something. Oh my gosh, yeah. That that would be brilliant. Uh, talks are that Trevor Noah is the inside guy that could take over the show. That makes sense. Totally He's make the sense. hot rising thing right now. Yeah, I mean, and keep it in the family at CBS. For so. sure. Uh, I don't know. Oof, NBC Universal. This Ooh, is boy. not good news and I'm blaming uh, your boy, Vin Diesel. I think this is a problem. That I, makes sense. I think I think this is it. He's kind of a dick. Fast and Furious director Justin Lin announced that he is no longer directing the franchise's next installation, Fast X, which began filming last week. The filmmaker who co-wrote the movie script with Dan Mazow will remain involved with the project as a producer. Sources say that production on the main unit has briefly paused while Universal locks in a replacement director with the second unit continuing to film. Fast X is planned for a May 19th, 2023 theatrical release. Here's the thing they just... Vin Diesel posted a social media video last week and asked Justin Lin in the video, hey, how do you think it's going on the first day of production? And Justin, like... Didn't answer him. He looked really uncomfortable in the chair and just kind of looked off to the side and he said, I think it's going to be big. And like, but uncomfortably so. Mm. And then the rumors now that we're hearing from sources is that it was creative differences. Mm. I think Vin Diesel is fucking this thing up. I think so too, man. If you got to say, if you got to ask me, I mean, Paul Walker was the main guy but they've always said Vin Diesel is the face of the franchise he's kind of an asshole so I mean go back to just saying I am Groot and just stick with that I mean I'm this guy saying. remember I mean he he directed five of these films yeah. so for him to walk away there exactly. had to be something going on I mean that's what I'm saying and with that yeah with Vin Diesel being such a instrumental part of that in every single phase I feel like it's definitely something going on agreed there. but who knows who knows we'll probably learn more about that it's a developing story uh <laughs> Um, now, John M. Chu announced on social media that his upcoming adaptation of the musical Wicked will be split into two Ooh, films. Two. There's so much happening in this one. Universal Pictures will release the first Wicked movie on December 25th, Christmas Day of 2024, and the second Wicked will be debut exactly one year later on December 25th of 2025. Ariana Grande and Cynthia Evero uh, are set to star in the lead roles of glinda and ebitha respectively so that's gonna be very interesting they both have amazing voices and i think they're just gonna do so good i mean 
old girl there, she has to be Ariana has to be the fucking like one of the wicked witches of the West. Are they both the witch? No, she's she's Glinda the Good Witch. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cynthia's gonna play the bad witch. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I what John said though basically is from what I saw is that they were in pre production and they were rolling through the development and he just realized there is way too much story to try to tell in yeah. one film. It makes sense. And, and asked for them to split it and I guess Universal was down for it. So okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, this one's interesting. I'm actually excited about this. Universal Pictures brought a sneak peek of its upcoming rom-com film, Ticket to Paradise, to CinemaCon. The film stars George Clooney and Julia Roberts as hostile exes, and it's going to open in theaters on October 21st. Now, I guess they're seeing that, you know, um, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum's did pretty well, and they're hoping that we can see a resurgence of rom-coms, because they've kind of disappeared lately. Yeah, to be but, honest. But, you know, there, there's a glimmer of hope with uh, the law. Lost City, and so I think Warner Brothers, and I mean, Julia Roberts and George Clooney have starred in several things together and seem to have a really good chemistry, so I think they're banking on the fact that that'll work. Yeah, and before that, Marry Me with uh, Owen Wilson and Jennifer yeah. Lopez, that one was really good. Yep. Um, so yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, they're putting out good content, and it's always a good story, so that's all that matters. It needs to be entertaining and with a good story. Um, now, this one I'm very excited about. Peacock has given a straight-to-series order to the semi-autobiographical comedy series starring Pete Davison. The series titled Buttkiss uh, was first reported as being the on the market back in mm-hmm. March with Peacock acquiring in an, it in a very competitive situation. Uh, Davis serves as writer and executive producer on the show in addition to starring in this thing. Now it's going to be a half hour comedy and it is described as a heightened fictionalized version of his life. So I think that's going to be very interesting. I wonder if it's going to be like before SNL, before Kim K, or is it going to be, you know, the beginning of everything, or is it going to be the post of everything? Yeah, like, what's it's going it current. Like, yeah. what's going on now? And if that's the case, will Kim K be in it, or will they have a Kim K lookalike be in it as right. Kim K? That would be pretty fucking funny, For honestly. For sure. Um, so, look, things aren't, aren't, aren't so bad for Peacock, except for the name, of course. Um, Apparently, it ended the first quarter of the year with 28 million active accounts and 13 million paid subscribers. Now, that total is up from the 24.5 million monthly active accounts and 9 million paid subscribers reported for the end of the first quarter in 2021, uh, which has both free ad-supported and paid and add free tiers. Um, that's interesting. So there's where it says active users, but then paid subscribers. That's why those numbers are like that. Comcast chairman and CEO Brian Roberts warned that company does not anticipate this dramatic level of growth quarter to quarter for Peacock to become the norm, though, as 4 million of those paid subscriber additions are largely attributed to the Peacock's streaming of both the Super Bowl and the Beijing Winter Olympics. I mean, fair, fair, but you got to give yourself more credit. They started putting better content on there like Bel Air and other things that are popping up on the Peacock. So, I mean, they got to give themselves. Yeah. I, you know, that's part of the problem. They don't believe in themselves. And if you don't believe in yourselves, you can't convince other people. So yeah, get in exactly. there. Man. I mean, you guys, you got, you have the availability, you have the potential to do great things, but yeah, you just got to believe in yourself. You want me to take this so you can jump on the second one? Cause I know you want the second. I'm one. fine with that. <laughs> I know you do. All right. I had one that mom's really excited about with blue bloods. Now we've got one that Emily is really excited about. Lionsgate officially announced at CinemaCon this week that it's upcoming hunger games prequel. The ballad of songbirds and snakes will be released in theaters sooner than 
than we thought. November 17th, 2023. Now, the story takes place decades before the adventures of Katniss Everdeen and centers on a young Coriolanus Snow who eventually, as we know, becomes the tyrannical president of Pan Am. So that's going to be really, I think a lot of people are super excited about this thing. Uh, I'm guessing it's another planned trilogy. Yeah. Um, So, and I think, of course, it's going to do gangbusters at the box office people, yeah people love that film so. for sure and i mean i wonder if it's going to be like kind of like a setting up an anti-hero type of thing or like to get his viewpoint on everything it's like in the beginning he starts out good in the middle he's kind of like the uh the prequel series of star wars like where anakin turns into darth vader yeah like where we see the progression of him being bad a so. sympathetic storytelling of the yes. president like yes. why he is the way he is yes that would be cool, in my opinion. I think I so haven't too. read the book, so I have no fucking idea. Yeah. But, I, but I mean, I think that would be a good idea. I think so, too. So let's see. Let's see how it goes. But this, I'm so freaking <laughs> pumped, man, because it's a great franchise. Nobody really ever thought it was going to be as huge as it is. But man, oh, man, everybody's loving it. I'm talking about Keanu Reeves' John Wick. And yes. Now, they closed out Lionsgate's presentation at CinemaCon and appearing the first look of Chapter 4 of John Wick. The footage uh, screen Wick is on his uh, parental revenge tour. Uh, this time he's taken on a, a decidedly long ninja vibe, mm. which they're kind of been progressing that throughout yep. the whole uh, franchise. Seen punching a wooden post on the points of his knuckles, bleeding as the co-star Lawrence Fishburne acts as his type of like hype man. <laughs> now, John Wick's Chapter 4 hits theaters May 23rd of 2023. I'm super freaking pumped about this because like I said, I don't think they even really intended for this one to be a massive franchise but now it's like everywhere and it's kind of like this cult following oh yeah so i'm pumped hence this next story a spin-off of john wick yes. which i think now that this casting announcement has been made is also going to be way huge for them yep. it was also announced that the john wick spin-off film ballerina is now officially a go it's long been rumored but it is officially a go and here's the good news guys and gals Anna de Armas will be starring in the upcoming spinoff. That's a guaranteed hit right there. I'm yep. sorry. Production is reportedly set to begin this summer. The project will be directed by Underworld Helmer Len Weissman. Perfect choice. With a script from John Wick Parabellum writer Shay Hatton. So you've got a great writer. You've got a great director. You've got a super awesome star. And it's a franchise that's kicking ass at the box office. I'm thinking success, 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 success. Exactly. That's I'm exactly. Now something else that might not be a success. Or maybe. I don't know. I don't know if people will see this thing. Don't do uh, but I mean, apparently, baby's getting out of the corner and coming back to the box office because Lionsgate revealed that this week that Jennifer Grey, who played Francis Baby Houseman in Dirty Dancing, uh, opposite of the late Patrick Swayze, 35 years ago, will be returning to the Kellermans in the prequel or in a sequel i should say although her involvement as baby and dirty dancing sequel has been known uh the capacity of her role is still being kept under wraps plot details are also top secret now i don't think this thing is necessary just saying does she need a payday maybe because ah 35 years 35 years I think one. I think it's disrespectful to do it without Patrick Swayze, who yeah. passed away from pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Uh, two. They have attempted this numerous times, to which every time the fans revolted and shut it down. They do not want this. They tried with a miniseries. They tried with a television series. They tried with a sequel before, and it got 
totally revolted by the fans, so they changed the whole thing up and it became Havana Nights. Um, it's it's bad. It's bad from start to finish. Nobody that is a fan of the original film wants this sequel. So I agree with you. Is it a, is it for a fucking payday? Because there's no other reason to do this. No, there's no other. I mean, most of the cast is dead. Like I, I just I don't understand why this is happening. I think it's a disaster. I think it's going to be set in the nineties apparently. So I guess she is playing her age now. Uh, but like, why? I don't know. I, I just don't do it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't fucking do it. I am a fan of the original, and I'm one of those people that thought way back. Don't fucking do it, and I'm still saying now, don't fucking do it. I guess it's already happening though, because with um, uh, the the Hunger Games thing, mm-hmm. they're both supposed to debut at cons. So mm. apparently, this thing's already shooting. Damn, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, bad mistake. Uh, I just think it's gonna be a bomb. Yeah, for real. But you know, you know, this is what it is. Well, AMC <laughs> Melissa's McBride is no longer going to star in the Daryl and Carol Walking Dead spinoff at a- AMC. The show was originally announced back in September of 2020, with McBride and Norman Reedus set to star in this thing. Now, the pair have been long praised for their characters' on-screen chemistry, with Reedus and McBride currently being the only two cast members of the flagship show who have been on board since season one. Now, the spinoff will now focus solely on Daryl, which hopefully this just will stop. I don't even... Because I think this is a franchise that has just been dying over the past couple years like nobody even really talks about it anymore um but you know i think they should just stop and normal norman rita should come and play ghostwriter for the mcu agreed i think that would make sense but apparently they've got like dozens of spinoffs coming they've got one with maggie and negan and like this story though caused a lot of controversy people started online attacking norman rita saying that his ego wanted to be in a solo show and that he was the reason that she left and that there were all kind of and i mean it was was ugly nasty and uh jeffrey dean morgan came out and said shut the fuck up yeah. you toxic motherfuckers this man gives more to you the fan base of this show than anybody involved exactly i mean i i personally went to a to a stalker a walker stalker con and that guy stayed until 2 a.m in the morning even though the thing shut down at 10 p.m to make sure that every fan that was in line to get a picture and autograph with him got it that man is fucking awesome to his fans, and the way they fucking berated him and attacked him was ugly and nasty. And you know what the real reason is? It was supposed to shoot over in Europe, and M- Melissa McBride wasn't comfortable with going over there and just felt it wasn't the right move for her and her family, and that's why she dropped out of it. It had nothing to fucking do with Norman Reedus. AMC even came out with a statement and said, shut the fuck up, basically. Yeah. Like, that's awful, man. These fans are fucking, like, you know, pay attention. Be, I mean, exactly. It's, it's crazy. Jumping to Netflix, this is really exciting fucking news, and it, probably a no-brainer. I think everybody knew this was going to happen, but now it's confirmed. Topher Grace, Laura Prepron, Ashton Kutcher, Mia Kunis, and Vilmer Valderrama are all set to make guest appearances in Netflix's That 70s Show spinoff series, That 90s Show, once again, of course, playing their characters from the original series. Now, as we've mentioned in past episodes of our show, Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp are set to star in The 90s Show, reprising their roles of Red and Kitty Foreman. They'll be joined by new cast members Ashley Offerhide, Callie Haverty, Mace Cornell, Maxwell, A.C. Donovan, Ray and Doy and Sam Morales. Now there is one name 
specifically missing from that list, and that's Danny Masterson. You should know why. (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah, Do we really need to go into that? Exactly, exactly. Uh, They're going to have to make, like, I think, pointed jokes at why Hyde is missing. Yeah. But we'll see. Exactly. But I'm excited for this show, to be honest with you. Oh, I am too. Especially all the originals coming back. I think it's going to be very cool. Uh, Bruce Greenwood is joining the Fall of the House of Usher uh, series at Netflix, taking over the role previously held by... Frank Langella. Uh, Now, Frank exited the series earlier in April after it was reported that he was under investigation for misconduct on the set. Now, which it is was later confirmed involving making inappropriate jokes to a female co-star. So, see ya. So, hopefully this recasting will also do and provide the same, you know, content and good stuff i'm a fan of his and and apparently now the resident is coming to an end after this season so i mean he's got another gig lined up good for him (laughs) what the fuck is this shit Uh, i know yet another surprise first raising dion and now this steve carell's space force has been canceled after two seasons at netflix the second season of the comedy which reteamed carell and the office creator greg daniels debuted february 18th space force season two picked up with general mark naird of course played by steve carell and his underdog team having to prove their worth Steve Carell is such an amazing comedic genius that why would you not want to work with him in some sort of capacity? And the show was funny. Yeah, like, it was I really funny. I understand, but whatever, man. That's two great shows they canceled after two seasons. Yeah, just saying. Just saying. It doesn't uh, make sense. Netflix makes no sense at the moment. Well, Amazon makes a lot of sense because they have parted ways with the top two MGM film executives roughly a month after it closed its $8.5 billion deal to buy the studio. Now, Michael DeLuca and the the Motion Picture Group chairman and Pamela Abdi, the Motion Picture Group president, have resigned. Uh, DeLuca and Abdi departed uh, MGM with several projects in production, post-production, including George Clooney's next directorial effort, The Boys in the Boat, and Sylvester Stallone's uh, Samaritan. Now, it only makes sense, you know, trying to merge two companies, and you don't want to have people in the same roles. Now, it sucks. Hopefully, they gave them a nice severance package, and these are two legends in the entertainment industry, so hopefully they can pick back up somewhere else. Well, get this. Michael DeLuca apparently is trying. Uh, From what I understand, he was getting ready to leave uh, MGM anyway. Mm. Uh, Rumors are that he wrote a personal handwritten letter to Zasloff over at Warner Brothers Discovery pitching himself to take over Warner Brothers Pictures, saying what he could do for that for that film company. It makes I mean, sense. A handwritten letter to pitch yourself. I guess the guy was... If anything, Zaslav should just bring him in in some capacity just for that move. Just for that. I mean, that yeah. that's pretty solid. Who does handwritten letters anymore? Exactly. So, I mean, the guy's clearly passionate about wanting to be involved. For so. sure. Uh, Jenny Han, uh, to all the boys I've loved before, that <laughs> Jenny Han, has signed an overall film and television deal with Amazon. All projects produced under the deal going forward will be produced by Han's new production company, Jenny Kissed Me. Now, her best-selling other young adult trilogy is heading to Amazon Prime Video this June, The Summer I Turned Pretty. A new teen drama series based on Han's novel of the same name will premiere apparently on Prime Video on June 17th. So she's rocking and rolling. Another steal from Netflix. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, (laughs) that one I think is going to be very timely because... It sounds like puberty. 
It yeah, sounds, yeah. you know, sounds like puberty, <laughs> and that is always very relevant and very timely. So, good kudos. Does to Does it Amazon. smell like Teen Spirit? That's I the real know. question. That is the real question. Bring a little Nirvana into yeah, it. You know, fucking, it'd be amazing. Uh, now, Apple, they freaking are in talks and are trying to work with Michael J. Fox, the Hollywood star who became powerful advocate for medical research and will be a subject of a new documentary from the Oscar-winning filmmaker uh, Davis Guttenheim. Mm. Uh, now, Apple Original Films has nabbed the rights to the movie, uh, which is currently in production in New York, Los Angeles, and Vancouver, all the hubs. Uh, the film, which is untitled at the moment, will chart Fox's extraordinary career, documenting his rise to the pinnacle of the movie and television business, thanks to Royals and Family Ties and Back to the Future, obviously. Uh, it will also take a look at Fox's struggles with celebrities at, with celebrity at once he uh, climbed to those heights, as well as his diagnosis. Uh, at 29, with Parkinson's disease and the impact that it had on his personal and professional life, mm-hmm. Apple says that the film will incorporate into the documentary archive footage and scripted elements and is being produced and unprecedented access to Fox and his family. I think this is very important because Parkinson's is a huge thing that is going on right now. So to bring more awareness about it and to bring more you know, conversation about it is very important important for sure i totally agree wholeheartedly i've always been a fan i loved him as alex p keaton on family ties yeah. uh, i mean and the, obviously the brilliant move into into movies uh with back to the future and secret of my success and, and light of day and so many other ones um and yeah it was difficult to watch the you know when he got diagnosed and to see that kind of downgrade and how how it affected his career and him as a human being um but he did make a nice resurgence on The Good Wife, and, he, and he's still now on The Good Fight making a pair. And, I, I mean, he, he's still working, and he's still trying to get it done. So I think you're right. This is going to be an important story to tell, and I'm glad that Apple's doing it. So. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Well, that is our industry news, guys. Oh, it was a great week back, and I felt like I mean, we had a lot of good stuff. Oh, hell yeah, man. I missed stuff. talking about all the great stuff. And dissing Chappick. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. <laughs> The man, oh man, it is now time for our top five segment, and this Woo! week is top five favorite versions of Batman. Yes. So basically anywhere that Bruce Wayne had appeared or played, you know, the Caped Crusader. Yeah, this could be comic books, this could be video games, this could be television or movies, just like any of our favorite version of the character. Yes, for sure, for sure. So number five for me goes to... Batman and the Arkham Asylum series. Now, a big reason for my pick for this one uh, comes from the just the overall gameplay of the story that progresses throughout the whole thing because it incorporates all of our favorite villains like the Riddler, like the Joker, like Bane, like Dr. Freeze, all of these amazing people. And just, you know, the costumes alone. I feel like they very much, before Ben Affleck became... Batflick. Um, he like Dark Knight Arkham Asylum kind of had that look. They had he had the strong, like bulked up Batman, not the slender, like just kind of already in his routine, you know, as the Capes Crusader. So I thought that was very cool, very interesting, and to go through all of these different missions. I thought it was very special, and I, I just, it was one of my all-time favorite games. So that's why I had to put it on there. So number five for me, Batman Arkham Asylum. 
That's so funny because one of mine on my list is the origin as to that look. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, but my number five, I think, is going to be controversial. So come at me, bitches. Uh, <laughs> my number five is actually the Bruce Wayne interpretation that we're seeing in Titans. Mm. Now, it's not – everybody's not a fan. We haven't seen him suit up as Batman yet, just kind of shadowed, kind of still at it, but not really. And, and he's regretting a lot of things that he's done. He's kind of re reassessing his life as Batman and how he's brought these young guys into this life and I, I like it I, I know people were kind of dogging it you know the little goofy dance scene or whatever fuck the goofy dance scene watch that fight scene with him and Dick when Dick becomes Nightwing yeah. where no matter what Dick does he cannot beat him He, I mean Batman just like I mean just not it's a great interpretation and I thought this season particularly where he was really feeling the regret of bringing both uh, Dick and Jason into this world and, and, and what it has done to them. Um, I, I just think it's brilliant. So come at me if you disagree with me, but I, I really do think that I would like to see more of that interpretation of not just Bruce, but I'd like to see him behind the cowl and out on the streets. Will we see that with Tim Drake? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know, but um, I'd like to see that. I, yeah, I, seriously. Season three of Titans is very special. Yeah. I mean, if you guys have not jumped on this show yet, it only keeps getting better season throughout season. So definitely jump on that. I mean, fucking... Red Hood. Oh, my mm. God. Jason, mm. so fucking good. I can't wait for this next season. I can't either, man. It's going to be very special. Number four for me goes to Gotham, either that kid playing younger Bruce Wayne. I feel like, you know, to see his struggles and to see what he goes through, like, right after the death of his parents and to try to, you know, figure out who he is, figure out his place in society is a very special thing before he puts on the cape before he puts on the cowl because he has to figure out his life before becoming Batman. So I thought that was a very special interpretation. I think this show went over a lot better than a lot of people expected, you know, bringing the whole, um, um, fucking Alfred aspect into it when they brought in, um, Pennyworth. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. I haven't watched that yet, but I heard it's very special, but to also, you know, have it at the point of, point of view of Gordon and have it, you know, see how this child is going through losing his parents and becoming who he is. I thought it was all very special. So that's why number four for me is Gotham. Yeah. And you know, Huge kudos to Mazow, the, the the young man who played yeah. Bruce Wayne in Batman, because this is a show that, as you said, was centered around Gordon yeah. or, uh, and, and his rise to, you know, who he eventually becomes. So to be able to, and to the writers for giving us such in-depth and background of Bruce, even though the show was not anything about Bruce, um, I think the way that they did that and how they built their early relationship was brilliant. I, I'm totally there with you. I think I think it's and I I don't think it's as appreciated as much as it should be. I think it did go over really well with its fan base, and I think some people should go back and try to catch it because it's it's really good. And Ben McKenzie's phenomenal as Gordon. Um, okay, my number four is the origin of your thick, older, grizzly Batman. It's of course Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Uh, that is where that version of Batman came from, the older, more grisly. I've been at it for a while. I'm buffed up in a badass motherfucker. Um, Frank Miller is brilliant. Uh, almost everything he's ever done, his Wolverine storyline, his fucking Dark Knight storyline, his Daredevil storyline, everything that Frank Miller has done is brilliant. And um, this version of Batman is um, my favorite by far uh, as far as the comic book Batmans go. Um 
it just I, I think it kind of changed the game as the way people looked at him um you, you know and and it just it was a bit more violent it was a bit more dark as if batman wasn't already but but i think that there was a need for it because there there was a while there where it got you know the costume got really bright blue and gray with a big yellow and it kind of got a little bit more campy and i think frank miller's like that's not who this guy is and i'm going to take it back i'm going to bring it back to the grizzled hard batman that that we know and love and uh i think that series did that um, so that's my number four, Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that was right before my number three, which goes into Batman Beyond, where Batman figures out that, okay, it's time. I have to hang it up. I can't do this anymore. My body just cannot take it anymore. I could barely walk. So I need to either pass this on or let it die and have to have someone who comes into that role and who is very persistent, who has the same core values as Bruce had to come in and just be like, no, I want to do this. And I forget the dude's name right now that took over. Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis, who is played by the older brother from Boy Meets World. Yeah, I didn't, Will I didn't, yep. I didn't know that. That's so funny until I look at IMDb. That's why you should have IMDb. <laughs> um, but, like, it's such a cool thing because he was very, you know, regressive. He didn't want to bring somebody else into this world because of everything that happened to his Robins and especially to have someone take over as the Batman, I feel like was a very, you know, it's a scary thing to do when all of these different things have happened to these other people who Bruce cared about. Mm -hmm. So to kind of step back and do this leadership role, I think was very special and especially in the future, you know, with, uh, (laughs) With The Return of the Joker, one of my all-time favorite Batman films. Um, But like I said, that one always holds a special place for me. I love that I can watch it on HBO Max now. I love that we can watch the original Batman the Animated Series. Like So much good stuff on HBO Max, so be sure to check that out. But yes, number three for me is Batman Beyond. And, you know, I was a huge fan of that show as well. And based on what we literally just talked about in industry news earlier with Keaton's older Batman with the gray hair, um, and and we we know he's going to appear in Batgirl, but are we setting up a Batman Beyond? Will we see a live-action Batman Beyond with Keaton as the old Bruce Wayne guiding the new mentor? That would be fucking phenomenal. And that would Batman be so Beyond, epic. Batman Beyond teaming up with Batgirl uh. would be fucking insanely Dude. awesome please do this yeah right please do this let's keep keaton around for a while he doesn't even have to put the suit back on exactly just be in the cave with the gray hair guiding him along it would be fucking epic it oh really would with the dogs and the dark oh my god yeah so yeah I, I can't even so so my number three is the current uh robert pattison matt reeves version of the batman i absolutely loved how they took it back to the original roots of the greatest detective. I love the fact that this was a version where he's not quite sure who he is yet. He hasn't figured out that he's nobody that, you know, I love when hearing Matt Reeves talk about how he's going to discover that Bruce Wayne is also an identity like as well as the Batman and that who he really is, we don't know, but he's going to be able to use both to his advantage. I love that aspect. I love how they're diving into that and taking it deep real world grit. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Batman in the animated series, and there's a, there is so much pulled from 
the comic books and Batman the Animated Series and the original 89 movies and, and like the, the different th- in this that it was just impossible not to love. I absolutely freaking loved it and I can't wait for the sequel. I think we're going to see a lot more of Bruce Wayne from what I understand. Um, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm super pumped about it. That's why it's my number two, the Batman. Um, I loved how we got to see him, you know, with it being year two. We got to see him making mistakes. We got to see him like, oh, I shouldn't shoot my fucking uh, grappler gun to this thing because I'm going to fucking fall. Or like when he's flying through and he falls through on the street. Like, I felt like that was really special because Batman as a human being, he is not perfect. So you, he needs to make mistakes. He needs to figure out his rhythm. And I also love how, you know, our last adaptation the christopher nolan one which you know will always be one of my favorites but how that temperature was very blue but we completely transitioned to where this temperature is very very yellow and orange i i love that i feel like it's a darker interpretation very more grounded in reality so that's why yeah it's my number two pick there you go my number two pick is basically what this series was was a sequel to Tim Burton's Batman movies. That's basically what it was. The the theme song, everything, all the elements were there. It was all about it. I'm talking about Batman the Animated Series, which in my opinion is the single best animated superhero uh, like series ever. It literally captured everything that made Batman special. Uh, Kevin Conroy's interpretation of Bruce Wayne slash Batman is unmatched, in my opinion, as far that voice and and the storytelling in that was so above and beyond Bruce Tim and, and what they were able to and Paul. Um, now I can't remember his last name. Um, but what, what Paul Dini. Um, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, what they were able to create with that show and the stories and you know for anybody who doesn't know Harley Quinn. She didn't exist before that show. She was created for that show and blew up into now going into the comic books and into the movies and into her own series and everything. She doesn't exist without Batman the Animated Series. Um, Just a brilliant, brilliant interpretation of the character. And I am super pumped because those two are teaming up for another version of an animated more dark and more gritty than Batman the Animated Series, which was already dark and gritty for its time. That's where I Am Vengeance comes from. That that line delivered in the Batman actually originated on Batman the Animated Series. So, oh my gosh, it's it's hard not to have it as my number two. And uh, I can't wait for the for the new one. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, it's just so good. I love everything that they're doing with Batman. There's so many batman content out yes. there so i mean be sure to check out all of that out on hbo max this is not a plug for them or anything it's not like they're sponsoring <laughs> the podcast but shit um and but of course you should but you should uh of course my number one is the dark knight with christopher nolan being one of my favorite directors and with christian bale being i'd say top 10 favorite actors but then of course heath ledger being my all-time favorite actor so of course that was my favorite version of batman my favorite film of all time but I, I, cause I lean, I do love the orange tones. I love complete all over the spectrum of the tones, but I love the blue tone. I just feel like there's something special. There's something cold about that, um, that Christopher Nolan really captivated with that whole franchise. I loved Tom Hardy and I loved who they brought 
uh, to shape around Christian Bale. I thought all of those were very special. Um, Liam Neeson, obviously. I mean, this dude, he's in like all the major franchises. It's wild. But Christian Bale, I think, of course, I've talked about this before, is going to be my all-time favorite Batman forever and always. Thank you, John Papsidera. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, man, just rocking and rolling with that one. That is my number one, The Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I think uh, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox was brilliant. Brilliant. Casting. I like, mean, he played Lucius better than I think we could see him. Anyone so, else. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, no surprise what my number one favorite is. It's the 89 Batman. If you've Michael listened King. to any of the shows, you Le- should know. Le- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, by far my favorite interpretation of the character. I think Keaton absolutely nailed Bruce Wayne and Batman. I really wanted to see the continuation of that story. Um, from Burton. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. But um, now that Keaton's back, maybe we will get a glimpse at that. But uh, yeah, I just think it was groundbreaking at its time. I, th- I think the the what maybe Matt Reeves is trying to do in this new interpretation is what Burton was planning on doing. It was a very... De- Bruce Wayne in the 89 Batman, in my opinion, was a character. It was. It was not. You know, he he too was was a role that he was playing in front of people. And do we really see? I and I feel like that was interpreted so well when he's sitting in the chair and the bat signal comes up and he's deep in thought. That's Bruce Wayne. Then that kind of bumbling playboy. Do I really know what's going on, Bruce Wayne? At the party, and then Batman. I'm Batman. That that everybody's done it since he originated. I'm Batman. The voice, everything. Like Keaton nailed it. And uh, and just I mean, I don't know. I, I I mean, seeing it in '89 as a 19 year old kid, it was just it was amazing to see that like come to life and and to see it finally done. In my opinion, right. Um, you know, not an Adam West Batman fan. It was campy. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, yeah. it had its moments, but to see it, you know, Keaton's Batman and go, now that's fucking Batman. <laughs> that's that's what did it for me. Yeah, I will say though, I feel like Adam West's Batman put that character on the map like in a global audience that didn't make it so you know confined to just the comic books so i will give credit for that but yeah i agree i need more darker tone yeah i think adam west's batman was needed for its time because the the country was going through all the 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 bullshit in the 60s of of anti-war protests and all the 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 craziness of and they needed something fun and lighthearted to um but I don't think it was ever like the actual Bob Kane was probably shitting on himself. Like, probably. what the fuck is this? What this is, is not my guy. Exactly. But there was a need for it, yeah. and and it, it even kind of transitioned in the comic books to a campier, yeah. lighter-hearted version. The Batman and Robin Scooby Doo movie that was good. I think Adam West voiced that one too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, nothing against Adam West. No. I, I just yeah, I because he also voiced several seasons of Batman on the Super Friends. Yeah, and did a really good job. Uh, you, you know, I think I think he's fantastic. I just wasn't a fan of the camp. Yeah, but, exactly, you know. exactly. But guys, that is our top five segment. Let us know what your favorite version of Batman is. Yeah, I'm man, curious. Oh man, there's so many different out there especially like like i said i watch hbo max a lot my favorite streaming service like the different samurai hbo max like different or batman samurai like aspect and all these different they have a really cool batman podcast on there too which is badass you should check that out for sure for sure but we want to know be sure to leave a comment below in the youtube section in the podcast section or on twitter we love the conversation uh now heading over to the box office recap last week the bad guys came in at number one that seems like a nice family film that a lot 
Two, two weeks in a row. To. I think that was surprising. Yeah, but. 3.7 million. Number two is Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with 2.5. I'm sure they shelled out a lot of money for that one, so mm-hmm. that's kind of disappointed. Uh, the same with Fantastic Beaks, The Secret of Dumbledore. Um, this is, I think, an effect of JK's comments, so I'm not surprised by that, but I've also seen bad reviews about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've all we've seen that the Fantastic Beasts franchise in the Wizard world is supposed to be a lighter version, um, which I'm not sure a lot of people are liking. Yeah. Uh, saw the first one. I still got to continue through and see the rest of them. Number four was The Northman. I really want to see, but his last two films the director have been kind of weird uh the lighthouse and i forget the other one uh but that came in at number four with 1.8 million and number five was everything everywhere all at once with 1.6 mm. and movies that are coming out oh my goodness we're so super excited about it and before we do the next episode of the podcast we're gonna see it so we'll let you know our opinions <laughs> and that is dr strange and the multiverse of madness man oh man i hear there's some jump scares so it's just gonna be very freaking we'll see yeah <laughs> we'll see uh memory Firebird, Hatching, and Black Sight. All of which will make no money. None. Because Dr. Strange is going to suck it up. It's so funny. Movies you can still go see at your local cinema is The Lost City, Father Stew, I saw it. It is very good. Um, Morbius, Ambulance, and The Batman, which it's very interesting because actually in this week's uh, IMDb post, IMDb Pro's top trending segment, The Batman is still number one. We're assuming because the sequel was announced, which makes sense. Everybody loved it. It'll be interesting to see how long the sequel is going to be. Though. Yeah, right. And it's apparently dominating on HBO Max. So I don't know why you'd still go see it at a theater unless you didn't see it already at the yeah. theater. But uh, so it makes sense. It's the number one trender. For sure. Uh, TV show is Better Call Saul, which is very interesting. Maybe it's like the last season or it something. It is. Yep. It makes sense. And the top trending star is... Amber Heard. Which, I mean, whatever. So is that what it takes to be the top trending star? You admit that you shit in your ex's bed? Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Johnny's number two, so it's just like, what is happening? I just, what the fuck? You shit in his bed? What? She's crazy. She's crazy. If there was ever, ever anything to say mental health is a serious problem yeah. that needs to be addressed and paid attention to in society today. She shit in the man's bed. Come on, guys. Just saying. Just saying. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 192 of the podcast. Man, oh, man, it was an amazing ride. We're so happy to be back. Yes. Uh, be sure to follow the company and podcast on social media at Crazy Ant Media on Twitter and Instagram and at ItCap Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media, myself at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. Yes, sir. And you guys know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. And that's Anchor, Apple Podcast. Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. You can also watch the uh, video of the podcast on YouTube. Be sure to go to the YouTube search engine and type in Crazy Ant Media. We've got all of our episodes on there from past guests, from past episodes. Everything's on there, so be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and ring that bell for all the latest and greatest notifications that are going down in Hollywood because you know we have them for you. But man, oh man, a lot of good stuff happening this week. Of course, we love Batman. Batman's one of my all-time favorite characters. Of course. And his little, you know, family, I guess you could say. Um, But 
a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Very interesting to see what's happening at Warner Brothers with their decision making. Don't necessarily agree with it, but of course, don't necessarily agree with Disney and their decision making as well. Um, it's still a day to day basis to see how far this man is actually going to make it as Chappic needs to go. That's just all. saying. I'm just saying. I, he, he needs to go. He's not the right guy to run no. the house. He's just not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, all the superhero news, always exciting. Uh, top fucking gun Maverick. I am so fucking pumped for that. I have so fucking got the need for speed. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yes. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about Ballerina, the John Wick. Uh, that, that just everything. It was uh, Everything that came out of CinemaCon, with the exception of the Dirty Dancing sequel, yeah. was pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, fucking, I'm pretty happy about it. I'm super it. pumped about Ballerina. Babylon. Oh, that one's gonna be oh, so bad. So good. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff. And you know, we have to credit the one, the only Oprah! Oprah!